phone, aren't we? Good. I can't tell. Okay, good. Is this thing on? It's not on? Oh, my. Let's see. Okay. You think? I don't know. Is that coming up? I don't know. I don't know. Good gracious. Let me see. What do you think? He could have got hit under a... Is doing it? Okay. All right. Jesus didn't even have one of these things. Isn't that something? He just stepped out and let the water carry his words or mountain winds. Remember, he seated him on the mountainside. So everybody okay, are you? You're actually better than you think. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, it says you're seated in heavenly places. You've been blessed with all, say all, all spiritual blessings. You have been. Not you're going to be, you are. What you and I need to learn to do is to get the access code to our blessings. You know, you could have a billion dollars in the bank, but if you didn't have a checkbook, you might as well be a pauper living under a bridge somewhere. And we're millionaires spiritually, but we don't have the access code. And what is the access code? Hearing God, following God, and doing what he asks you to do. Now, God's not going to give you step two if you falter on step one. He will not do that. He will not give you step two if you falter on step one. And so we got to learn how to walk with God. Mark, how you doing? This old Mark Parsons. He's got the biggest hands anybody I've ever seen. How you doing? You all right? Good. God bless you. Still painting? Are you building? Building? Oh. Waffle House? You building Waffle House or something like that? Oh, man. You, if you want a different culture, get to a Waffle House sometimes about 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Me and old uh, uh, Ray Hughes. Me and Ray Hughes was coming out of Nashville once, and uh, we were driving. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we decided to pull into a Waffle House. Y'all have Waffle Houses here? Yes. Uh, we decided to pull into a Waffle House. And, you know, me and Ray can be kind of lively. And uh, bless his heart, he couldn't be here in this conference, but he is something. He sounds like Jeff Foxworthy, but he's got two double doctor's degrees. Isn't that something? Ray Hughes, smart as a whip. But anyway, so we pull in there, and so help me God, here's what happens. As we're getting out to go in and get some coffee, up pulls a, a Cadillac with four Elvis impersonators in there. I mean, one of these old Cadillacs like the Elvis had, and they get out and they, they're all dressed in their Elvis. And so we put on a show for Waffle House, you know, and I'm telling you, it was a, it was a mess. <sighs> but I want us to start enjoying life. Uh, it really is. It's too short to live miserable. So I want you to enjoy living. You go, well, now, Bobby, we got a lot of opposition. No, no. Jesus said it's finished. Uh, we're, we're the head and not the tail. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against your works. Remember old, uh, Barney Fife? He had a gun but no bullet. That's where the devil is. Uh, he doesn't have a bullet. Nothing to shoot at your works. That's what it says. Now, I like this painting up here, the one with the, the bull. If I was painting that painting, I'd write on the back of it, Psalms 9210. Psalms 92.10 says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will release my strength like that of a wild ox. Now, if you've got the King James Version, you sh it says, I, I, I will be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will, will, will extend my horn like the horn of a unicorn. <laughs> now, I, listen, I'm glad that's not a unicorn. Have you ever seen one? No, they're not one. 
So that's why you need to read the Bible in different translations, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen a unicorn? See that Psalms, uh, Psalms uh, 92.10, my horn, sh I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will extend my horn like the horn of a unicorn. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Read it in every translation you can find. In you. I, I like the message. I like the passion translation. Don't you? Yeah. yeah. Some people won't even read it in any translation. Get the Bible in you, okay? So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. All right, Bridget, is, is Rod behaving himself, or is he just a little iffy? He's doing okay? Is he doing good? Okay, that's good. That's right. All right. Isn't God good to us? He is so good. Oh, he ought to carry us to the woodshed, but he carries us to the throne. Man, alive. Pretty wild. I, I don't know how he puts up with this, do you? We're as fickle as he can be, and God, God is just going, well, I love him. Yeah. Remember the prodigal son? We've got to get up out of the pig pen of poor perception. Remember the prodigal son? Uh, he took his leave, wasted his substance, and right his living, found himself in a pig pen. And he said this. He said, wait a minute. He said he came to himself. I love that. Ding. The Holy Ghost goes ding. And he said, uh, wait a minute. My father has servants living better than I am. I am going to get up, and I am going to go back to my father's house, and I'm going to say to my father, Father! I'm no more worthy to be your son. Just make me a hard servant. And he gets up, goes all the way back to his father's house. The Bible said, while he's yet a long way off, his father saw him and got up and ran out and fell on his neck and kissed him. Isn't that something he didn't go, oh, good God, boy, clean up. See, the father's looking for the prodigals to come home. I promise you we're going to hear a, a clamorous crowd of people as the prodigals come home. We're going to see prodigals come home in these days like you've never seen before. And aren't you glad there's a son? He's going, oh, Father, I'm no more worthy to be your son. Make me a hard servant. Aren't you glad the father didn't go, okay. He said, no, this is my son who was dead, but he's alive. Get a robe and a ring. God is trying to teach us who we really are. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Wow. I'm telling you, we're head and not the tail. We've got to get, I spoke this morning a little bit on uh, overcoming stinking thinking. So that kid had to get up out of the pig pen of poor perception, didn't he? And get back to the robe and the ring. Robe and ring. Boy, in the Bible time, that meant something. It gave you authority. It gave you uh, prestige. It gave you power. And so anyway, we're glad you're here. So I want people to start enjoying Jesus. I really mean that. I tell you, if you don't learn to enjoy Jesus, heaven will be hell for you. Can you imagine that? Face to face with Jesus for eternity. Wow. You better learn how to correspond with him now. Learn to get, get to know God. Isn't it Job 22, 21? Why, well, sure it is. Job 22, 21 says, Acquaint now thyself with God, and be at peace, and good will come to you. Get to know God. Is there any benefit to knowing God? Daniel eleven thirty two 32, B said, But... The people that do know their God will display strength and take action. So the devil knows those verses, so he's going to do everything he can to keep you from knowing God. An angel came to my house. Y'all believe, believe in angels, don't you? Oh, man, they're really real. Most of us in this room would be dead, mangled, if it hadn't been for angels' activity. Wow, I've had them move cars out of the way. It's, it's pretty wild. Uh, listen, pretty, pretty wild. You say, oh, Bobby, no angels. You can see them. How many of you want to see angels? Okay, study 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. 
That's where this young guy, uh, he's, he's helping the prophet, and the young servant of the prophet gets up one morning, and he's just paranoid because he looks out there, and there's all these enemy armies just by the thousands camped around about him. And he wakes up the prophet and says, get up, they're everywhere. Uh, the prophet gets up and probably scratches some camel lice out of his hair and goes, settle down, son. There's more that be with us than be with them. And I'm sure the kid was good at math, one, two. And, and so what happened now, the prophet said, Oh, Lord, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. His eyes were open. He saw the whole heavens full of angels. Now, the same angels that were with them are with us. There's more that be with us than be with them. The angels. Remember, the devil took only, what, a third? So we got all the rest. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, they're innumerable. What does that mean? There's more of them than you can count. And they're here to help us. Psalms 104, verse 4 said they're ministering spirits, winds of fire, down here to aid us. Psalms 91, 11 says, the, I wrote a book about them. You'll have to get it. Oh, goodness gracious. I talk about their names. I talk about the, the listen, it's amazing. They're powerful. I can show you where one killed 200-something thousand in one lick. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of warriors we need, isn't it? Man, I've been studying the Bible about uh, David's mighty men. One of my heroes I found in there is Shamoth. It says he defended a bean field. We won't even fight for our family. And here's this dude fighting and defending a bean field. Wow. Said he, he, his hand cleaved to the sword till his hand became part of the sword. Wow, one guy killed 800 guys with a spear. I mean, listen, these are real stories that are real. Uh, anyway, here, here's a book about angels. They're mentioned 273 times in the Bible. Uh, most of you have seen angels didn't recognize them. Have you ever been in your house and you saw a tw something twinkle? Go, uh, yeah. Have you ever been in your house and you was maybe washing dishes or something? You thought you saw a hand go by the door or something? Most of those are watcher angels. Ask them to materialize. I had one scared the crud out of me. I mean, really scared me. Uh, I was in my home, and uh, I was up in my office, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm the only human being in the house. Uh, my wife had gone to Texas to be with the kids. So I'm up there at 2 o'clock in the morning typing. I'm typing on a book by myself, typing on this book right there. Right where my hand is, an angel appeared. Oh, see, I'm the only human in the house. Angel appears, scared me. I go, hey, what are you doing? I'm watching over you. Why? You need it. And we're screaming at one another. He responds to me like I respond to him. So we had a screaming match. Yeah. And so anyway, isn't that something? Uh, angels come to my house. They come to see me. I'm going to talk about them in a moment. Uh, here's one. First time I ever spent the night in the cabin a man built for me. I'm sitting in there watching the fire burn, listening to it crackle and just sitting there. And I hear a noise on the porch. Walk out on the porch. There's 14 to 18 angels there dressed like pilgrims. They would, the Moravians had stationed them there back in the 1700s. The first thing those angels said to me is, what took you so long? They did not have a commission until we got there since Zinzendorf. Isn't that amazing? Oh, listen, oh, that was really something. And they were dressed like pilgrims because that was the vintage of the, the Moravians. They looked like that. And so anyway, tens of thousands of people, maybe more than that, have come by to see that cabin where the angels came and where the Lord came. Isn't that amazing? Uh, listen, he'll come wherever you are if you will invite him. Listen, he wants you to behold him. 
as we behold the Lord with an unveiled face. Listen, I, if Paul got caught up into heaven, you can get caught up into heaven. That's how I got most of my experiences. I'd find them in the Bible, and I'd say to God, God, you're no respecter of persons. If you spoke face-to-face to Moses, you can speak to face-to-face to Bobby. So I was getting God in a hammerlock, you know, putting him under pressure. And here's what he said to me. This Moses deal. He said, are you willing to do what he did to get what he got? Are you willing to do what he did to get what he got? See, God spoke to Moses face-to-face as friends communicate. But how did Moses get that? Remember, God came down off of the mountain and got on the mountain and kind of cleared his voice. What, six, eight million Jews took off running that away and said, "Ah, don't ever let him talk to us like that again. You go. Are you willing to do what he did to get what he got? Six million, eight million Jews running that away afraid. And Moses goes up on the mountain, trembling, shaking with the fire of God. Wow. See, these, these encounters are available if we're willing to pay the price. I have people come up, I've been preaching 50 years this year, I have people come up, Rod, and they'll say, I want your anointing. Are you crazy? I'll pray for you to get the anointing God has prepared you for, but you can't get 50 years of ministry transferred on you. You understand that? And the the anointing is real. But I'm telling you, uh, salvation is free, but you have to work out. You, um, you You understand that you have to develop things? Well, you know, I want it so easy now. If you really look at this thing, there's hardly anything easy about it. Did you read what Paul said? Now, this is where I figured out I was a wuss. Paul says, All right, my lot afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working for me a far more eternal weight of glory. He called what he went through lot afflictions. Have you studied the life of the Apostle Paul? He fought with the beast in Ephesus. He did this, did that, in perils of robbers, in perils of thieves. Remember that? And he called it light afflictions. I go, man, I must be a wuss, you know, because they write a bad article. I go, oh, man. No. <laughs> Listen. Oh, boy. But anyway, I want to talk to you about getting to know God. We need to get to know him. I used to think if he had something really important to say to me, he'd get me by the shoulders and go, Bobby. He said, that's right the opposite. He said, it's a sign of your maturity if I have to shout at you. He said, you should be so close to me I could guide you with my eye. I used to think God, here's what God told me. He said, tell the people I shout my truths. The whole book's full of them, but I whisper my secrets. Do you believe God has secrets? Yes. Yes, he does. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong unto the Lord. But the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants from now on. Wow. See, if you can find anything that's revealed, you can take it and your children can take it. Isn't that good? You say, God, you think God has secrets? I know he does. He hides things from us for us. Proverbs 25, 2 said, it is the glory. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter of the honor of kings to search it out. Here's one about his secrets. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, 6, Paul says, I could not, I would not release this hidden wisdom until I found me a people mature enough to be ripe in understanding. Then, verse 7 says, I will release this hidden wisdom. What hidden wisdom? We ought to look at that verse, hadn't we? Well, sure. Won't he buy you any new blue jeans? No, those, that's the style, isn't it? They already buy them wore out. 
You know, isn't that something? Well, anyway. Look, I got my shoes on. Pastor, pastor and his family bought me these shoes. I got these shoes. Most of the time I wear cowboy boots, you know. But this is kind of my GQ look. GQ. You know I'm a fashion statement, don't you? One time, one time I was waiting in the Lord, and the Lord said, uh, I have a, a word for this woman. This woman was in fashion. And I said, what's the word about? And he said, fashion. I said, God, I don't know nothing about fashion. He said, that's why I'm going to give you a word. So I said, okay, if you give me the word, I will give it to this lady in fashion. And so he said, here it is. And this, 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 this is all Googleable. And he said, go tell her this, that she should start using denim and lace, but do it eloquently. And so she started making uh, blue jean jackets with lace things here and pants with lace here. And it's knocking the shelves off in London. Isn't that something? Now, you know I'm a fashion statement when I can go give people that are in fashion uh, tips. You ought to listen when prophets are talking. Uh, Pastor referred to it over there. It's Matthew 10, 41. It's in the red part of the Bible. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. Well, if I'm going to get something, I want to know what the heck is it, don't you think? What do you think a prophet's reward is? Oh, I'll tell you. A prophet's reward is this, the deepest desire of your heart granted by the power of God. That's what a prophet's reward is. You might say, well, where is that at in the Bible? Oh, I'm glad you asked. 2 Kings chapter 4. Remember the woman that said, I perceive this as a mighty man of God that continues to pass by our house. Let's make a little room for him. She made room for the prophet. She received the prophet. And what did she get? She got the deepest desire of her heart granted by the power of God. The Shunammite woman received the son. Remember that? You ought to study that story. Steven Spielberg couldn't write that thing. Oh, it's amazing, man. Isn't it something? Y'all are going to have a good time? Are y'all okay? This means yes, unless you're in India. <laughs> you ever been in India? Is this the way to Bombay? Is that the way to Bombay? Have you seen them? I love them. I, I, well, I actually love their curry. That's what I like most about the Indian people. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had their curry? You can have it for a whole week. You sweat it out. I smell just like green chicken curry, you know. Bless their heart. I, I, they're wonderful. Wow. I, I get to go all over the world and fraternize with people. Once I was in Germany, I couldn't read the menu. Good Lord. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed different languages? Okay, here's German. German always sounds like they're mad at you and they want to slit you in the gut. You know, they could be saying to you, you're such a gentleman. They go, Hastakenbachen! You know, yeah. and then here's the French. They, they could be saying something like this. You smell like a pig, but it sounds like they're ordering, ordering dessert. A fof canoe. I'll go, yeah, I want to double with some cream on mine. You know, and yeah. Have you noticed the different languages, the way they talk? Oh, man. I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. Now, that's the honest truth. I went to London, had to have an interpreter. I got up and they said, what language are you speaking? I said, English, and it offended them. <laughs> That's true. But uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, I speak Texican. But if you ever hear God talk, he talks just like me. I'll tell you how he talks, you want to know? 
He talks exactly like you listen. You say, where's that? It's John 10, 3. My sheep hear my voice. John 10, 27 said they run away from other voices, but they'll follow the shepherd's voice. So we need to learn his voice, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. He, he speaks to us day and night. The heavens utter his voice. We need to hear the voice of God, don't we? You hear more in here than here. If you'll learn to hear, hear him in here, you'll have these ears open. Here's a great verse about opening your ears. You ready? Matthew 13, 16, and 17. Matthew 13, 16, 17 says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear. Many long to see what you see and desire to hear what you hear, but to them it was not permitted. You and I are one of the most privileged people. Let's get back to that secret thing just for a moment. You want to? Sure. So you're doing good? Okay, yeah. Uh, don't, miss, don't make me have to come back and check you. Okay. All right, let's get over here and look at this side for a little bit. That's good. I've, have you watched him dance? He can dance. Yeah, you know. But it's nice. You enjoy that. God enjoys you dancing. I'm serious. If it sucked, I'd tell you, you know. That's true. But God enjoys it when we praise him. He really does. Well, you know, I don't. David danced before the Lord with all of his might, didn't he? Please God, but it was pretty wild. Well, God bless you. How old are you? 30 years old. That's priesthood years. That's, that's a good thing. But just keep it up and see what happens. I told the pastor and them about, I was down in California doing a meeting in a, a Korean church. And it was full of these wild, raging uh, Koreans. And so the pastor said, I've got a man that wants to do something. Uh, I want him to do something before you preach, if that's okay. I said, it's your meetings. Do whatever you want to do. And so here comes the guy. He's in, it looks, looks to me like maybe in his late 50s or something like that. And he's got kind of baggy clothes on. And here's these wild guys, you know, young, wild guys. And so the guy comes to the podium like this. And he starts talking monologue like this. I thought, oh, Lord, this is going gonna, gonna to be tough to get in after this, you know. And so I'm thinking to myself, wonder what in the world he's going to do. And he was very low-key. And then all of a sudden he just kind of does like this and changes into another man. He took off running and ran up the wall. Ran up the wall and did a backwards flip. Ran this away towards the piano, got about from here to there and flipped and flipped and flipped over it. And he was one of these wild street dancing kind of guys. Those kids went wild. They're up in the chairs going, yeah. And I'm going, how am I going to follow this? You know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But he captivated those kids. And so we got to learn how to captivate people. How to have them mesmerized with the things of God. The world does, doesn't it? So anyway, so let's talk about this. Uh, first, uh, first Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 6. And we'll talk about the hidden things, okay? Just, just for a moment. It'll be okay. Don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I found it. Let's drop down there to verse 6. Remember, remember God hides things from us. And God has secrets. Here you go. Verse 6 says, Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. 
But it is, it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world, nor of the leaders and the rulers of this age who are bound and brought to, be, brought, brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. Verse 7, but rather... What we're setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification has lifted us up into the glory of his presence. God has hidden something till this end time so he can grow his saints mature enough to receive this hidden wisdom that's going to do what? Catch us up into the glory of what? His presence. The next great move of God on this earth is not going to be about the power of God, but the presence of God. If you'll get into the presence of God, he'll give you something much greater than his power. What? What will he give us that will be much greater than his uh, power? He will give us his authority. Authority bumps power. Luke 10, 19, he says, Behold, I give unto you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and they'll in no wise hurt you. He used two different words for power there. He said, I will give you authority to stop the devil's ability. Wow. So he hides that till we find mature people that can receive it. Do you, did you see that in the Bible? So we ought to say, God, I want to be able to be ripe in understanding so nothing will be hidden from me. There's an invitation offered to us that none of us can afford to turn down. It's Revelations chapter 4, verse 1. And after this, I heard a voice. What did the voice say? Come up here. Whoa. And so he said, I looked and there was a door, a gate, a portal standing open in heaven. And I heard a voice that said, come up here and I'll show you, reveal to you, make known to you the things that are about to come upon the earth. That's an invitation none of us can afford to turn down. Zechariah says in, in the Bible, he says, I will give you open access to my presence. Wow, the book of Hebrews says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. You and I have an invitation to come into an open heaven if we're willing to go. You believe it? How do we do it? How do we do it? We obey what God says. We fill our heart with the word of God. And I'm telling you, I've already announced that to a while ago we're seated in what? Heavenly places. That's what God says. Whether you believe it or not, you're translocational. You're in two places at once. You're sitting here in uh, Zion Church, but you're seated in heaven also. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? So we need to start operating our lives from up there, and it'll transform how we live down here. It really is true. We, we, we need to understand uh, we're, we, we've got this thing kind of twisted up a little bit. We're body, soul, and spirit. What's happening now is we've got the spirit man pushed down real low, and we let the body and the will run the show. See, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The spirit man's supposed to be the big leader. You understand? So we got to let the spirit man take over. You know, don't you want to? Well, sure you do. You go, how do you do it? Well, flesh has to die. Your carnal appetites. Here's your, here's your verse. You may not like it. It's Romans, 11, Romans 13, verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11 says, that knowing what a critical hour this is, how that it is high time now for us to re rouse to reality, wake up from our slumber, because final deliverance is nearer to us now than we, when we first believed. Do you believe the church needs to wake up and rouse to reality? I think we need some real bold reality checks. 
There, there's some crazy things being taught out there right now. Did you know it? I get to preach all over the world. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Some of the things that are being taught and people gullible enough to listen to it. It was, I guess, maybe three years ago now. Uh, seems like it's quicker than that, but uh, everything seems quicker than, you know, to me. But a few years ago, there was this false prophet arose in a, uh, South Africa and was taking the place by storm. And this is all true now. Don't lie in church. This false prophet arose in South Africa in a town called Stalinbosch. And here's his prophecy. My wife is pregnant with Major Jesus. The Jesus you worship will come and bow down to Major Jesus when my wife gives birth to him. And the people had already bought him two Bentleys and an aircraft. Yes. So I'm not going to let that go unchallenged. I bought me a ticket to Stalinbosch, South Africa. I go there and lease up the place there. And I stand there with his picture. And I pull up his prophecy and read the prophecy to the people. And now I'm just going to be as crude as I am. I read his prophecy. My wife is pregnant with Major Jesus. The Jesus that the church worships will come and bow down to Major Jesus. And so I read his prophecy out in front of the people, helped up his picture. And his name just happened to be Prophet Samuel Bullshata. I said, in Texas, we'd say that's bullshit. And I meant it. Anybody that would listen to that, that's what that is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No, there's not going to be another Jesus. But finally, his wife gave birth to a girl. But do you see? It's time to expose these charlatans. Not buy them aircrafts and two Bentleys. But see, people are so ignorant of the Word of God, they'll buy anything. That's why we've got to get hungry for truth. Desperate for truth. We've got to get into the Word of God so that when, when something comes, we'll have a template for it. Aren't you glad Peter had a template for Acts chapter 2? When the religious people go, these guys are drunk. And what happened? Peter goes, no, wait, wait, this is that. See, if we'll have a template, when God does a new thing, we'll go, this is that, which was prophesied. So we've got to have, the, we gotta have uh, a template of the Word of God when God does new things so we won't misjudge what it really is. But there's some crazy stuff being taught. The ultimate re reconciliation, have you heard that one? Ultimate reconciliation says the grace of God is so, so ex exhaustive till even the devil's going to be saved. Are you crazy? You are if you believe that. The ultimate reconciliation teaches that even the devil is going to be converted. Well, have you heard the hyper-grace message? That's the full flower of it. Now, I believe in grace. I believe in Titus 2.11 grace. You believe in Titus 2.11? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously, holy, and godly in this present world. Wow. Looking for that glorious appearing of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Any grace he doesn't provide. Salvation, sanctification, and expectation is not the grace of God. Grace really teaches us to live godly, not loose. You understand? Well, anyway, uh, I don't want to talk about what's bad. We ought to talk about what's good. But I'm telling you, there's people that will buy anything now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Anyway. I'd, I'll challenge them. I get right in their stuff, man. Listen, I, I don't mind talking about the Bible. I've studied the Bible a long time. Let, 
you know. Well, you know, brother, this new translation says. Isn't that crazy? The Bible says what it means and means what it says. I'm tired of preachers mumbling and apologizing for nearly saying something. We ought to say what we believe and believe what we say or shut up. Don't you think? We ought to know what the Bible says. Well, you know, my pastor's saying. Here, here it is. You can get stuck into situations where you'll, okay, here it is. I, I go to a place, and I don't know it's a funeral, a funeral service. I don't know who the guy is that we're burying. And so I'm just there because some family members had asked me to come. And so here we are. All I'm supposed to do is get up and read the obituary. Well, you know, remember that. So here's the funeral. I get up here and I'm sitting over here in the chair. Here's the other pastor. I'd never met him before. And the lady sings, you know, on Jordan Stormy Banks. <laughs> no, I don't know why she was singing uh, a song at a funeral, you know. Anyway, so I'm supposed to get up and, and read the obituary. And so after the lady sings the, the song, uh, the, 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 the man leading the funeral service, the preacher, Gets up and he walks up there to the podium. And there's a casket. Here's a whole building full of people honoring this man's departure. And here's what the preacher says. Well, Brother Miller's in heaven today. Now, he never gave his heart to Jesus Christ, but he loved to hear me preach. He, that was his opening remarks. So he comes back for the ladies to sing the next song. And he sits down by me, and I said, sir, have you ever been born again? And he said, ah, nobody can know that. So now i got to get up and read the obituary. <laughs> so I get up there in front of the, all these people, and I said, uh, before I read the obituary for Mr. Miller, I want to say to you what this man says is absolutely erroneous. <laughs> there is no way in the world anybody goes to heaven without believing in Jesus Christ. You understand that? I was not about to get up there and validate such heresy as this. Do you see that? You say, well, man, man, doesn't that stir up stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather stir up a bunch of people than anger God, don't you think? See, if we'll quit trying to be men pleasers and try to please God. Paul said, if I attempt to please men, I will not please God that called me. That's what it says. Remember that? Say yes. Okay. A lot of things to talk about. I'm going to talk about God in a moment. Talk about an angel came and told me to tell people about how to find out more about Jesus. I'm going to talk about these books just for a moment. Jesus Christ appeared to me and he was sad. Now, I don't like these pictures that look like Jesus, like a Holocaust victim. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. If you want to see what Jesus looks like, Google Akiana, a little bitty girl that uh, I met her when she had just gotten back from heaven. Her mother and dad had brought her to us, a little bitty girl about that tall. I felt her behind me. I drew a stick figure and handed it to her. You thought I'd given her a million dollars. I went to pray for her mother and dad. They'd have the Joseph and Mary anointing because she got up into heaven. She can draw her painting cell for lots of money now. But she draws the pictures of Jesus. If you look up her painting, that's how the Jesus you'll see when you step into heaven. But anyway, Jesus appeared to me and he was sad. Right in front of me, and here's what he said to me. Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. That's what he said. Jesus Christ said, Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. And he said, the least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. And that's true. The least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. Then he said something with a twinkle in his eye. He said, but I'm going to give you a phrase, a statement that will change the paradigm of prayer. It will turn prayer from a drudgery to a delight, from a duty to a desire. 
I said, God, I want it. I want you to give me that phrase that's going to turn prayer from a drudgery to delight, from a duty to desire. And I said, I want it. And he looked me straight in the eye. He said, you tell my people what true prayer is. And here it is. True prayer is an audience with a king. Can you imagine that? No potentate on earth gives anybody and everybody open access to his throne. But here's Jesus. Anytime, day or night, we can come before him in prayer. Here, and so I studied about prayer, studied every verse I could find in the Bible concerning prayer. I studied great men of God that quoted things about prayer. Wow, this thing. Here's one, Jesus. John 16, 24. John 16, 24, up until now, you've not asked. Ask now, you'll get what you're asking so that your heart will be happy. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask him anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. So we, we, we put every verse we could find about answered prayer in here. We have not because. And so I hope you'll get the book on prayer. Audience with the king. Wow. Here, here, I put some of these famous men and women, their, their words about prayer. Here's one about what Billy Graham said about prayer, and it's so true. It says, if we're going to get a nation on its feet, we first have to, have to get the nation on their knees. Don't you believe that? Say, so, yes, I do. Corrie Boone, she said, any, any concern that's too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be made a burden. Corrie Boone, have you ever heard of her? Or E.M. Bounds, prayer is, more learned in a, prayer is not learned in a classroom but in a closet. I believe that. Don't you? Yes, my sure. You can read this for yourself. A lot of stuff in there. Okay. Hmm. Prayer. People go, well, I don't know how to pray. You can talk, can't you? That's, talk, that's prayer. Just speaking to God. Believing that God's going to hear you and answer you. Wow. He's a prayer to God. It says in the Bible, while you're yet speaking, he'll answer. Wow. Anyway, I hope you'll read that. The altar of incense. You know what your prayers do? It, the Bible said they go up before God as a sweet-smelling savor. It says God catches your prayers in a golden vase in heaven. That's what it says in the Bible. And then it says one day he'll reach down and scoop up fire off his altar, and he'll take your prayers mixed with his fire and hurl it back to earth. The book of Revelations tells us what happens when your prayers come back mixed with the, the fire of God. It says lightnings and thunderings, which means active, active uh, activations of God. Isn't that something? Yeah. Do you have this one? You can sure have it. Okay, that'll be good. Then here's the shepherd's rod. For the past 24 years on the Day of Atonement, we have a visitation from Jesus. He'll tell me some of the things that will happen in the future, writing a book called the Shepherd's Rod. August uh, 31st, we're going to give a, a whole conference on the 24 different shepherd's rod there in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. That'll be good. Oh, man. All the way back to 1990-something. Good Lord. One time, one of the shepherd's rods, he says, Go to Turkey. I'll speak to you. I said, Lord, speak to me in Tyler. So I had to buy a ticket and go to Turkey. Wild, wild thing. I'll tell you things you couldn't even start to believe. I'm in Istanbul, Turkey on the Day of Atonement. I'm sitting there. Demons are everywhere. The Muslims are crying out their chants. Remember that? And anyway, a being flies in the window. Had wings coming out the side of his head, maybe five feet long. I'm sitting in a straight chair over here. He flew in a window over there, and he lands, and he moves, but he doesn't move. He flew it. He moves like this. And he, he's scanning the room. He sees me sitting over there, and he smiles the most wicked smile you can imagine. Here comes a cloud out of his smile, and it comes in circles in my head like this. Inside of that was like Matthew 4, every kind of in, in, uh, alluring to kingdom wealth and everything if I'd get away from sonship messages. So I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The cloud goes, 
back into his face. And I said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. And have you seen a computer when it turns it something into dust? This thing fell into a pile of dust. The Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost goes and blew him out the window. And then that's when I did the shepherd's rod. For, it was 1998, but it's the shepherd's rod for 1999. You ride them a year in advance. That's when I wrote about America having a terrorist attack. And, and so, see, God will tell the prophets first what he's going to do before he does it. That's Amos 3.7 says, Surely, absolutely, God will not do a single thing without first revealing what he's going to do to the servants of prophets. So that's why we need the direction, don't you think? I do. All right. This is Christopher Martin. Christopher, come here just a second. Can you give him a microphone? Do you, you, you mind that? Let, let Christopher have that hot mic. Christopher, he's been working for us for 10 years. Talk to the people just a little bit. Tell them some of the things that's going on. Oh, well, listen, uh, you know, it's funny, actually, that I was sitting there and uh, thinking about Bobby's coming up to preach and speak. And, you know, I, I wanted to let people know I, I'm, I'm around Bobby all the time. And, and I travel with him a lot. And I, I hear people talk to him and, and he shares things with him. It's really, really important to understand who he is. You know, he's, he's beyond just a man of God. He's truly a prophet of God. And it's really not a joke, to be real honest with you. You know, Bobby talks about the reverential, holy, righteous fear of the Lord. And really, it's here. And it's serious. And I want to encourage you, and I, and I try as often as I can when I talk to people to say, listen... Talk less and listen more. Honestly, I'm, I'm around people all the time, and I hear them wanting to tell Bobby stuff. And I think to myself, whoa, let Bobby tell you stuff and listen to the stuff he's telling you. And there's so many times that Bobby's speaking and saying things and not even preaching, and you might shut it off and forget what you're listening to, and that's actually where you're going to get what God wants to share with you. So I want to encourage you, when, when Bobby comes, listen, you know, I, I've had actual churches ask me when they've invited him, you know, what, what's, you know, why invite, listen, if, if I have to explain to you why to invite Bobby, don't, listen, you don't need Bobby to come. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'll just be honest. Uh, I'm really just speaking the truth here. He is, he is a modern-day Elijah prophet, and in my opinion, the, the premier prophet of God. In this day and age, it's really key what he has to say, and it's an honor to to be uh, to be with Bobby. He's my father and my friend, honestly. And uh, I, I tell people that that talk to me in private, I said, "Listen, uh, I'm way more serious about Bobby than you all realize." To be honest with you, so I just want to encourage you. What what Bobby has to say, listen to it because it means a lot. And you know, Bob, Bobby shared once in in, uh, in one of the shepherd's rods, he was going to see Father God, literally Father God. And, you know, and I want to address that real quick, not to take up Bobby's no, time. Ahead, just... but, but Bobby will say things like, you know, Jesus Christ appeared to me. And I, I want to encourage you, it, it's not a joke. He's not lying to you, and he's not just giving you an example. He's saying Jesus Christ appeared to him. When he writes that shepherd's rod, that's not just some idea that Jesus appeared to him. No, Jesus appeared to him. So either he's lying and you can just dismiss him and, and let's move on, or he's telling you the truth. I guarantee you he's telling you the truth. And when he was going to see Father God, he tells about these angels. And these angels said, who have you brought? And the angels say, a friend of the king. So I want you to think about that for a minute. Yeah. You're, you're listening to a friend of the king. 
And one thing I can tell you about Bobby, I, I, of course, I, you, you so love the prophetic. And at first, I was so drawn to that, the prophecy and the prophetic, and to be a prophet, right? That's so awesome. But I realized very quickly, oh, it's, it's really not the prophetic. It's the righteousness that he carries and the hunger and the heart for the Lord. Boy, that's what really draws me more than anything else. His heart, I, I've listened to Bobby tell stories. Of course, I travel with him, so I, so I hear the stories multiple times. And you know what's so interesting to me? What's so interesting to over me is... Over and over, I tell him, though. The, the, the stories that I hear, you know, he'll shed the same tears, and they're just as genuine. How, however long ago I heard them till now, they're exactly the same. They're exactly the same. They're that genuine. They mean that much to him. And to see his heart and his tenderness for what God's done and what God is doing, oh, listen, it's precious. So I just want to encourage you all to really, really listen to Bobby. It's really an honor and a, and a privilege to be here with him. So thanks, Bobby. Thank you, Chris. God bless you. This is Christopher Martin. Boy, he, he is our son in the ministry, but he's our right hand, left hand. Uh, foot, whatever else, because he keeps everything humming for us and uh, does a lot of the technical stuff for the media ministry that we do, and it's it's wonderful to have him. But anyway, I'm going to talk to you about uh, uh, a visitation from an angel. Uh, I was I live in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. You might ask, well, why there? Well, way back there, I was a Southern Baptist preacher, and this is when the communist walls fell down. I had a visitation from the Lord. He said I had never heard of Zinzendorf in my whole life. The Lord said, I want you to get a television camera and go to Hernhut, Germany and find Zinzendorf's grave and film it. And I do all of that. And uh, later on, Zinzendorf is the one that started the Moravian movement. They've had a 100-year prayer meeting 24 hours a day for 100 years. Uh, I live in, on some land that Zinzendorf got when they came here in the 1700s on my birthday and deeded it to Jesus Christ. So where I live is a portal. It's, it's very unique. Bill Johnson came to my house, wrote our, his first book, Heidi and Roland. You can't imagine the people, the fame, the, it's a portal. Uh, Jesus Christ came, knocked on the door, like to kill me. Honest to God, all of these are true stories. But anyway, so we live there and uh, very privileged to live there. But God moved us there. And I'm sitting on a rock and Jesus Christ came and sat down beside me on a big rock about half the size of that platform there. And he said, I brought you here to this land to redeem the land from, for its original purposes. I said, what is that? He said, the salvation of the Native American and the protection of the Jews. And then he said, get under this rock. I said, I can't get on this rock. And he said to me, get under this rock. So I start looking and there's a cleft, there's a, 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 a cleft like this under the rock. So I'm crawling under there, pushing real hard here to keep from falling down the side of the mountain, and I'm pushing real hard, and a piece of the rock fell off in my hand, about the size of this book, maybe a little bit bigger, and he said, what's that in your hand? And it's a perfect cutout of the state of North Carolina. A piece of the rock fell. Rick Joyner said, put that under glass, that's a, that's a sign. But anyway, so we live there in Moravian Falls, uh, and I love it there, it's a portal, and it's easy to access into the things of heaven. So I'm there on my porch typing uh, on, on one of the books, and I love it. They say you can see 100 miles from either direction, but I don't know about that. But it is a great place. So, And the trees in the fall, they turn the most beautiful uh, colors. You've, people come from all over to see that. And so anyway, the trees are dressed in their, their fall foliage. And they're, they're, the wind's blowing in the most wonderful, rhythmic way you've ever seen. The trees seem like they're dancing and like acrobats. And there's my wind chime. It's my porch is maybe 12 to 18 feet off the floor, off the ground. And there's my wind chimes over there, and they're blowing, they're, they're making their sound in the leaves, and boy, I am having myself a time. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I realized I didn't hear the wind chimes. 
Have you ever been, so I, I, realized, I realized I didn't hear the wind chimes. And I looked, and standing in the air was an angel holding my wind chimes just like this. Holding them so they wouldn't make a sound. And he looked at me like this. I'm over there in a chair with my computer and like, like, have I got your attention? Yeah. And then he turned my wind chimes loose. And so help me God, the wind chimes on my porch started playing the song. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And then the angel said, go tell the body of Christ they'll learn more from the study of the book of Colossians than any other book in the Bible right now. R.T. Kendall, you ever heard of him? He pastored Westminster Chapel. I told him that he spent the last several months in London preaching every, every day on uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, R.T. Kendall, the boy has something. Anyway, here we go. So I'm going to teach you what uh, uh, the angel taught me about Jesus. Okay, you want to hear it? Here we go. Go to the book of Colossians. Angel said you'll learn more. Tell the body of Christ to learn more about the ministry and the majesty of the master from the book of Colossians than any other book in the Bible. So we're going there. I'm in Colossians chapter 1. And I'll start, if you will, now with verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, Now he, Jesus Christ, is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. For, verse 16, for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things that are seen and things that are unseen, whether they be thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him and by him and for his service and, and intervention and to him. Verse 17, and he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist and cohere and are held together. Now, verse 18, he also is head of his body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone, that he alone, say he alone. He alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place and stand first and preeminent. So who's supposed to be the preeminent one? Jesus. Who should be first? Jesus. You, the angel was right when he said, you'll learn more about the ministry and the majesty of the master from the book of Colossians. Boy, you, right here already is a whole month of preaching out of these, this, these first, first few verses. Verse 18, he alone in everything and in every respect not occupy the chief and stand first place and preeminent. Verse 19, boy, for it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness the sum total of divine prevention, per, perfection, let me get it right. The sum total of divine perfection, powers, and attributes may dwell in him permanently. Now, there's, there's a generation needs to hear that. There's a sad thing going on. There's some young champions that don't believe Jesus is enough. They believe you've got to go out and get a three-toed alien to anoint you. I, I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth now. These are some people that, uh, some of them that knew the Lord, walked with the Lord, had great gifts from God, but they didn't believe Jesus was enough. It, this book right here says, he, he's the sum total of divine perfection. You can't get any more than Jesus. And these guys wash themselves out with these crazy things. Isn't that something? Wow. Well, we've got to teach people who Jesus is. It pleased the Father that the fullness of deity would dwell in him permanently. Now, let's look at that. For it has pleased the Father 
that all the divine fullness, the sum total of divine perfection, powers, and attributes should dwell in Jesus Christ permanently. Verse 20, and God purposed that through and by the service and intervention of him, the Son, all things should be completely reconciled back to him, self, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father has made peace by the blood of his cross. Wow, isn't that something? And also, you at one time were alienated, but now you're made. So it's wonderful. Look at this. Here's some, some others I really like. Verse 3 of chapter 2. In him, all the treasures of divine wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. Whoa. Is that a mouthful? You want to know deep things? You don't have to call a psychic. You'll get a demon there. If you want to know the deep things right here, it's stored up in Jesus. Let me look. In him, Jesus Christ, all, say all, all the treasures, that means the rich fullness, all the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. We can't get to know too much about Jesus. Don't you want to go deeper with him? Don't you want to see him like he is and become like him? That's pretty wild, isn't it? Man, I like that, don't you? Sure. Let, let's turn over there, if you will, and we'll go over there to chapter 3. You ready? Well, sure. Here we go. Uh, verse 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression and div of the divine nature. And you are in him made full. And have come to fullness of life. In Christ you too are filled with the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And reach full spiritual statue. See we're still trying to tell us who we are. If you'll get into Jesus. Let Jesus get into you. You grow into the full statue. Remember God's looking for people who are ripe in understanding. To release what? Hidden wisdom. To catch us up into the glory of what? His presence. His presence will give us his authority. And we're supposed to have his authority to rule the world. Do you see we've got to advance? We've got to learn to occupy what God gives us. Wow. Every move up into God has been, every move up into God till now has been lost. Some of the universities that are the most liberal right now were seminaries to train the saints. Is this true? But we didn't occupy. Well, yeah, we've got to learn to occupy. Well, I hope you'll study the book of Colossians. Don't you think? It's, it's, it's good. Uh, boy, let me finish that. Okay. Uh, says, and he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Wow. I like that. It says he cancels out everything that's against us and puts us into the thing. I like that. Don't you? There's some wonderful things. I, I like Colossians chapter 2. It says uh, all, all the things that of God are in Christ. And then it says all the things that are in Christ are in you. Colossians 2.10. All that God is is in Christ. Verse 9. Colossians 2.10 says, all that Christ is, is in you. Wow. You can get deeper than Jesus. Aren't you glad? If we're going to go, if we, I'm writing a whole book on the centricity of Christ. Everything points to him. Everything does. Like a compass points north, everything points to Christ. And we need to learn the centricity of Christ. By him, everything holds together. Coheres. I dare you look up the Greek word coheres where we get the word superglue. Remember when Jesus died, what happened to the earth? Almost disintegrated. Why? He that held it together had released his life. Isn't that something? Have you ever studied about the cross? Good gracious. Wow. 
Some of the deepest, deepest theology in the whole universe is in the story of the cross. Have you ever read where he said, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? First time, only time in the scriptures, God ever, Jesus ever referred to Father in any other term than Father was on the cross when God turned his back on him. The Bible said in the book of Habakkuk, God is of a pure eye than to behold iniquity. So when all the sins of all the people in all the earth got upon his son, he turned his back upon his son. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, oh, if there's any other way we can do this. See, don't ever let anybody tell you he was trying to back out of the cross. For this cause came out into the world, he said. But he was trying to say, Father, is there any way we can redeem mankind without you having to abandon me? And you, can you hear the anguish of his voice? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? First time, only time he ever referred to him in any other term than father and son. He's not dying as a son now, but a sinner. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty can enjoy the riches. Do you see? He, was, he saw that before it ever happened. And he said he saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And he said, I'll come pay this price. Boy, some of the deepest theology you'll ever find about Christ is on the cross. Wow. Wow. Man. Can you imagine? See, he didn't die from suffocation. You know what he died of? Broken heart. My heart is melted within me, he says. Isn't that something? He didn't die from a spear through his side. His father abandoned him, melted his heart. Wow. Ooh. I got caught up. I'll tell you what happened to me. I wrote a little book, The Cross. I wrote it before Mel Gibson made the movie. Remember Mel Gibson made a movie about Christ? I wrote a little book called The Cross. Here's how I was writing it. I was going to preach on the cross. I'd preached on the cross hundreds of times. I'm sitting at my desk on a spring day. The birds are singing. And I, I, I was in kind of a struggle there. I was going to preach that next, the coming Lord's Day on the cross. But I'd preached about it hundreds of times. And Bass really bite in Texas in the spring. And I was wanting to get up out of the office and go bass fishing, to be honest. And so I, I was in a struggle there. And I thought, no, I'm going to stay here. And uh, this is, I pulled my chair towards the desk. There was my Bible and a notepad. And I pulled my chair closer to the desk, and I made this prayer. It's as real tonight as it was when I said it. I said, God, I want this to be more than mere words. I was talking about the message I was going to prepare. God, I want this to be more than mere words. The moment I said that, I'm jerked up from that desk. I'm no longer in Texas. I'm over 2,000 years in history. I'm standing on the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. I see a mob coming, and the mob is Jesus bearing his cross. And it's more real than me standing in this church tonight. And he's coming, and there he's beaten beyond recognition. He's dragging the cross, and he comes from here to there. And I'm thinking, I'm being closed like this. I'm thinking, this can't, this, is, this can't happen. And he looked at me. When he looked at me, my, my legs gave away, and I collapsed. And I, I thudded against the cobblestone stones of Jerusalem. And I get up and go to the cross with Jesus Christ. And I stand there and I watch the crucifixion. See, Mel Gibson, when he made the movie, he couldn't capture the smells. Demons were everywhere swirling around. Remember when Jesus said, strong bulls have encompassed around about me? It was, a, it was the most awesome, ugly thing you could imagine. And uh, that's when uh, we wrote a little book called The Cross. 
Churches bought them by the tens of thousands. They gave them out at the Mel Gibson's movie. But anyway, I'm telling you, when the Bible says we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, it is precious, isn't it? It ever continues to speak. And that's where we have our victory. We overcome the devil by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of her testimony. We've got to never forget the price Christ paid for us. Sometimes when you're going through hard things, you push that to the back, but bring it to the front. It'll show you your worth and your wealth in the kingdom. Heaven bankrupt itself to redeem us. Isn't that amazing? Boy, that little book, we, uh, you know, we, we sold out of them, and they, I don't know, they're probably not even in the bookstore anymore. But it's, it's a little bitty, little bitty book taking maybe five minutes to read the whole book, but a whole lifetime to get over it. And it's, it's called The Cross, and I just wrote what I saw while I was there. Wow, wow. Don't you want the Bible to come alive to you? Instead of it just being something like a history book, put yourself into it and let it unfold. It's a living word, isn't it? That's how I study it. You know, it's not, one time the Lord spoke to me and it didn't even sound like him. He said, you're too familiar with my word. Wow. See, and he said, I want you to read it with the first intensity you ever read it. Wow. You remember how alive it was when he first read it? And he carried me to Genesis 22 where Abraham was going to offer Isaac. And see, I didn't know there was a ram caught. I didn't know there was a sacrifice ready. I thought I knew about a burnt offering. You slice, cut all the way down to the pelvic and burn them to ashes. There's little Isaac going, Father, I see the wood and the fire, but where's the sacrifice? I couldn't believe it. My mind wouldn't go as fast as my... I, eyes wouldn't go as fast as my mind wanted to go. I thought, oh God, how could you promise him this boy? Now you're going to cut his throat and rip him open and burn him. I couldn't believe it. And then when I got to the ram caught, so help me God, I fell out of my chair and I beat my fist into the carpet, screaming over the goodness of God. He said, I want you to read the Bible every time with that kind of intensity. See the Bible, you never see it twice the same way. It's like a diamond. You get a diamond out into a different atmosphere, it shines, doesn't it? We're in the most revelatory atmosphere of any generation. We've got to get into the Word now and let the Word get into us. I've released you some words, okay? Psalms 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of His Word will give light. It'll give us a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. Boy, don't you want that? Here's you another one. Psalms 18 verse 28. He will light my lamp and it'll flood my whole life with light. He's got to light your spirit, your lamp. It's called Psalms 18, verse 28. He'll light my lamp, and it'll flood my whole life with light. Pastor prayed for that. Ephesians 1, 17, 18. I prayed that the eyes of your heart be flooded with light. Don't you want it? Yes. Yeah, we can't, we can't understand the word naturally. I don't care if you've got an Einstein IQ. The simplest phrase from God is so profound you can't get it naturally. You know what the Lord told me the other day? Uh, boy, he... He can breathe some profound things into. The Lord came to me and said, Hey, Bobby, do you know what a printed word is? Instantly, I knew I didn't. <laughs> do you know what a printed word is? And I said to him, Apparently not. <laughs> I've written a lot of books, but I didn't know what I was about to know. He said, Do you know what a printed word is? I said, Apparently not. He said, A printed word is... You ready? A printed word is a thought you can see. Now that's profound. 
God puts his thoughts in a printed form where you can see it. Jesus is that invisible, the visible representation of the invisible God. And the word became flesh. The printed word is what? A thought you can see. That's pretty profound, don't you think? I do. God will tell you things that just stun you. Yeah. Really stun you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible in there. I dare you just to just sit on and just meditate on one verse. Meditate on some of these verses here about he's the sum total of divine perfection. You can't get any better than divine perfection, can you? I don't think so. No. He's the fairest of 10,000. You can't get any more beautiful than Jesus. Isn't that something? He's the altogether lovely one. He's the door. He's the gate. He's everything, isn't he? You, you can't put enough attributes of what Christ is. He's the sum total of divine perfection. I mean, don't you like that? I mean, that would take you a whole lifetime to understand all that. Talking about that, the Lord told me, said, Bobby, I have a mission, uh, a mission for you. I said, oh, good. Um, I'll try my best to fulfill it. You want to hear it? He said, I want you to learn all you can about me to teach my people. I said, oh, Lord, I will. I'll learn all I can about you to teach your people. And then he said, here's going to be your text. He said, I'll tell you this, though, before you start. Throughout the eons of eternity, you will never have finished your task. And he gave me this verse. You ready? Why, sure. Here we go. <laughs> Romans chapter 11, starting with verse 33. He told me, he said, I want you to discover all, all you can about me to teach my people. So I said, okay. But he said, I'm going to give you a heads up. Uh, throughout the endless ages of eternity, you'll never have it done. But here's, here's, your, uh, here's your manuscript to start. And it's uh, Romans 11. Verse 33, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable, unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions, and how untraceable his mysteries and undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, and his paths. Here he said, now I want you to do what he just said you can't do. Do you see that? Wow. Yeah. Isn't that... For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has instructed, who has understood his thoughts or who has ever been his counselor or who has first given to God anything that he might be paid back or have could reclaim a recompense for far from him and through him and to him are all things for all things originate with him and come from him and all things live through him and all things center in and trend to consummate and find their end in him to him be glory forever and ever amen so that's my task is to teach you everything I can find out about God wow see that'll keep us all busy for a long time Little bitty fragments of who he is. Wow. Do you believe you have to search for real treasure? See, if every pebble in the parking lot was a diamond, diamonds would be worthless. So God hides his treasure for those that are hungry enough to seek after it. One of the greatest blessings that can come to any believer is hunger, spiritual hunger. Psalms 42 verse 1 says, As a little desert deer... Pants after the water broke, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Wow. Psalm 63, verse 1 says, I thirst for you like in a dry and weary land 
we got to get desperate for God. And one thing God is doing, he's helping us. The Holy Spirit for the past 10 years has been pulling the flap up, fanning the flame of discontentment within the hearts of the saints so we won't settle for less than what God wants to give us. What you feel in your heart is a divine dissatisfaction. God is not going to let us settle for less than what he wants to give us. So he's stirring up discontent within our heart so we'll get hungry. Have you ever tried to eat when you're not hungry? Oh, man, I'll tell you a story. We've been wearing my wife now 55 years this year. You can't fool them. Anyway, I'm driving in from a meeting I'd had in uh, Dallas, Texas. I'm driving down Interstate 20. And back then, you know, you could drive, I don't know, 75 or something like that. So I was up close to 90. <laughs> I'm sailing down the road going home. And out of my peripheral vision, is that what they call it? Out of my peripheral vision, I catch a glimpse of a sign, and it said something like this, All the catfish you can eat, 1995. The next sound you hear is, Aah! That's my car locked up trying to make the exit. So I exit off of there, and I turn back around and go back to the catfish place. Now, I, I know, you know, fried catfish and hush puppies and coleslaw. Listen, now, this, this is... And it was all you could eat for 1995. I went wild. I ate catfish up to here. And so then I thought, I better get on home. So I get, I drive, drive home, park the car, get my luggage out, and I go in, and my wife, Carolyn, has fixed the whole table. Placemats, goblets, the whole thing. You know, and she had fixed it for me for a special uh, supper. And I thought, oh, I play like I'm eating. I'm up to here with fried catfish. <laughs> so I sit down and she's got pot roast and baked potatoes and everything. And I'm just kind of picking at it. You know, and she goes, you've already eaten. <laughs> then she grabbed my fingers up and goes, fish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I had pot roast for six days. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, we had the leftovers. You can't fool him, fool him after 50-something years of marriage. But she sniffed my hands and found out I'd been in the fish factory. But anyway, ah, boy. I got some stories about all that, but it's, they're boring. Oh, man. I've eaten things you couldn't even think about eating. Not knowing what they was, rat stew. Rat, R-A-T. I'm 600 miles down in Mexico. I can't speak Spanish. I know Taco Bell. That's about the most Spanish I know. And so anyway, I'm away down there with a Spanish doctor. We're in a house, and we're, I'm eating stew, and it's good. It's got corn tortillas, and it's got lettuce and whatever, celery. That's what it was. And I'm woofing it in. And he's talking Spanish to the lady that made it. And so all of a sudden he goes, like that. And I go, you don't need an interpreter. Something's going on. I said, what is it? He said, I asked the lady what we're eating. And she said, rat. R-A-T. I go, ugh. Now, I'm going to be honest. It was good till I found out his rat. <laughs> and then I said, oh, man. He said, but I, I, I talked to her. And she said, don't worry. It's very fresh. Only killed it this morning. <laughs> Wait, what's the difference between a stale rat and a fresh rat? It's a rat. <laughs> then here's the deal. This is true. He said, oh, brother, don't worry. I believe she boiled it long enough. I said, you can't boil a rat long enough. 
you know, I mean, there's not enough hours in the day to boil a rat. But just to be honest, it was delicious till I found out there's rat. And I'm not sure there's every disease around, you know, rat. Then I told you about when I was eating scallops in the Gobi Desert. Remember that one? That's awful. Have you heard that? Oh, you want to hear it? I'm over in the Gobi Desert, 60 below zero, living in a tent in the Gobi Desert. A little a Mongolian mama was about like that, about that tall and about this wide. She was cooking on horse turds, or horse manure. <laughs> yeah, and that she was cooking. And it was, I thought it was scallops. And I'm sitting over here and I'm eating it. It's really good. And it's white scallops and rice. And I'm, I'm packing it in. So then I'm a thinker. I thought, my Lord, where could they get scallops in the Gobi Desert? <laughs> So I said to the interpreter, to say to the little Mongolian grandmama, I said, ask mama where she got the scallops. And he goes, mama. So it's sort of like that. I might have misphrased the last word. But here's what, she throws her little hand, doesn't have a tooth in her head, throws her little hand over her lips and goes, now you don't need an interpreter for that. That means that boy don't know nothing. Guess what I was eating? I'll tell you what I was eating. I was eating, eating the tits off of a cow. Yeah! You know those things you hang down? <laughs> the old cow had died, and they just cut them up. Now they taste like cold rubber. <laughs> I told him, it was utterly awful. You know, you, you get it? Yeah. But that's what, now again, it, they were delicious until I found out what they were. Just took old Boston, you know, they ate, they ate everything over there. Anyway, that's, I've, had, I've had some deals, boy. I get, got that close to eating monkey head. The brains out of a monkey head. You know, they tell you, don't ever turn it down. You'll disgrace the whole lineage line, you know. So I get over there to this place, and they're having a banquet for us, and there's real uh, prestigious people from that country there, and this guy's putting this banquet on. And right at the end, they'll bring out this thing, and you, you, it's, a, it's awful. <laughs> it, it, they bring it out and there's so many candles you can't see nothing. And they bring it out and I'm trying to focus and see what it is. And I see ice around it and I thought, uh, I thought, oysters. Then I thought, no, they wouldn't serve oysters. And I looked and I saw two little fuzzy ears. It's monkey head. <laughs> you take the, crane, the crown off and eat the brains out and it's a big big deal with them something hot got up in my throat and I could hear them saying don't turn down things it'll disgrace them I thought I'm going to disgrace them one way or the other I thought I ain't eating this monkey head you know and then a verse came to me oh thank God for verses a verse came to me and I changed my voice here's the famous guy that was putting on the banquet I said in a holy sound Sir, a holy word of God declares, give honor to whom honor is due. And sir, I would be so honored if you would take this. Cameras were going off. People were standing in their chairs, <laughs> clapping. I, I thought they was going to give me the key to the city. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was one happy guy that I didn't have to throw up monkey head. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I changed my voice. I sounded... Yeah, it sounded like I don't know what, but thank God. Uh, apparently what I've eaten has agreed with me. 
We've had bad. Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horse, cat, cow. We, you know, it, but you get off on the mission field, it's different, isn't it? You know. But, oh, anyway, they used to catch big. I went to some island. They catch beautiful fish out of the ocean, and they're wonderful. And then they would stick the thing through the lip and tang, tie them up in a tree till they started rotting. And then they would cook them. I said, why don't we cook them now? No. They'd let them start rotting, you know, and then they'd cook them. You could smell it from here to Tyler. Yeah. Rotten fish being fried. Have you ever smelled them? Well, anyway, I, I, I'm off on that. But I could tell you other things you wouldn't even start to believe. Yeah. But anyway, believe me when I say you, we need to know about Jesus more. You sure are pretty in that tutu. Yeah. My little, we got one little granddaughter. She's 10 now. First thing I ever bought her was a tutu. Little tutu. She's, she called me the other day and she said, Papa, preach. I found out what kind of car I want to you to buy me. I said, what is that? She said, the one with zeros and Audi. You know, you know. I go, I don't think that's going to happen. You know. But anyway, I'm going to pray for you, okay? How many of you want a deeper understanding of the Word of God? I'm going to release a gift for you, okay? I'm going to release a gift for you to retain what you read from the Bible. See, that's the number one question I get asked is how do you memorize the Bible? I'm going to release that on you to have retention of what you read from the Bible. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will put it in and then bring it back up when you, have, when you, when you need it, okay? Did you have a good day today? Did you just get in from the greens or anything like that? No. You sure look nice tonight. I'm serious. Look at you. I'm telling you. Let me write you something in your book. Good Lord, you're written in tongues. Shall I? Let's see. I'll draw him a stick figure here. Here's the golf club. There's the ball. Okay. Can you, I'll put you smiling, there you are. Can you see you? There's your yeah. golf club, there's, all right. Hit yeah. it that away. Okay, see, see now, they, they charge for lessons like that. But, yeah. Every year I've been coming, I've, I've told him I want to go play golf with you, but I never show up in time to get it done. Oh boy. But it's, it's okay. I got me some senior clubs. I, you know, they got the senior. Yeah. Yeah. Callaway seniors. Yeah. Senior clubs. I, they, they got a head on them about this long. You couldn't. It looks like you don't hit a volleyball, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pray for you guys. Okay. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give these men and women a, a, a retention of the word of God. You said you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, a mind that can catalog and retain facts. I pray for them right now that you would bind the devil away, that he would not steal away the word of God as they pack it into their heart. You said study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that doesn't have to be ashamed or timid. So Lord, I'm asking you to store up the word of God in their heart and their mind. Help us to be doers of this word, not mere hearers. And Lord, I'm asking you to get us to the point of action of where we actually begin to live out what the Word of God says. That we're to go in the highways and the byways and compel people to
to come in. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand more about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is the preeminent one. And I pray right now, and I release for these men and women a hunger for the centricity of Christ, that he'd be the center of everything. I, I step on their heart right now, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things find their proper place. So, Lord, we want you to be first in our whole life and everything we say and do. So help us, Lord, that we will focus firmly on you. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we give you glory for who you are and how you are. Heal every sick person in this room. Those that watch by media, set them free. I come against suicide in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind it off of people. I say that your tomorrow won't look like your today. And I thank you, Father, that you will give them a living hope, a lively hope, an assurance that you will come through. And I pray right now that you will do Psalms 55, 22, that you will give them grace to cast every care upon you because you care for them. So that's going to happen. There's people that's planning to kill themselves that won't kill themselves over that prayer right there. Okay? Now you watch this. You watch this. Something's going to happen in this region about drug addiction. You watch this. You watch from this night. Now you're going to see drug addiction begin to decline like this. You watch it. You watch it. God, God is going to raise up and begin to put a shield there and going to stop breaking off drug addiction. And it's going to stun people who have been addicted. Uh, they're going to be absolutely set free. Medical science can't do it. But Jesus is going to do it. And he's going to set people free from painkillers and everything else. That's why a lot of them are dying. And so you watch this. You, what is this? This is, I don't know what date it is. The 20th. You watch it. You can start watching the statistics from tonight on. They'll start declining like this. And there'll be a time when the news comes on and says, we have good news to report. And it'll talk about the opioid things going off and drug addiction going down. You watch it. So that'll be good. Some of you may have family members involved in this. You watch God turn them around. You watch because I'm telling you, God wants to help the hurting. You believe that? And he's going to do that. He really will. So there'll be people, their lives will be spared. I used to do live television every day. And one time, uh, there's about 300 people come to the studio, and, and I'm there in the camera. They count down, five, four, three, two, one. And just like that, I see a guy sitting on a sofa, a uh, 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 what do you call it thing, hassock, with a, a pistol up against his head. And I go, no! And it, it was live, and this guy was just fixing to shoot himself, and he had picked up the, the remote control, control to turn up the TV so it would muffle the shot, and he dropped it and hit the floor, and it changed to channel 22. And I go, No! You don't have to shoot yourself. And we lead him to Christ while he's got a pistol up against his head. Ain't that cool? Yeah. That's what we got to do. We've been doing these, some, some uh, live things like that. I like it. See, the Holy Ghost can move o over the cameras just like you move here. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing people come out of comas. You could prophesy it on TV and, and it, you can go all over the world then. Isn't that something? So keep up the media work. Easy for me to say, isn't it? Good. Now I'm going to sign books in a moment, but I want you to know something. God is longing for you to love Him. Our problem is we've abandoned our first love. We've got to get back to first love. Revelations 2, remember that? I have this one thing against you. You've fallen, abandoned your first love. Return back. Now, if, if, if you know, if you, and I get to ask this question, people go, well, do you have a word that's across the whole body of Christ? 
If I had to pull up one word that I think would cover the whole body of Christ right now, it would have to be the word recalibration. We've got to get back to the original point of accuracy. That's the word recalibrate. It means retreat back to the original point of accuracy. We've got to get back to the Word of God. Don't you think? Do you believe the church needs to recalibrate? I do. There, you, there, I do. But the Word's the same, isn't it? We've changed some philosophies. Of, but anyway, God bless you and your family. I really mean that. Here's your good verse. I'll just throw one out for you. You ready? Psalm 65, 11. He, Almighty God, crowns this year with His goodness. And everywhere His chariot wheels roll, it drips with prosperity. That's Psalm 65, 11. I like that. One translation says, He crowns this year with His goodness, and even on hard paths where He steps, it drips with plenty. You believe sometimes the hardest situation will pour out the sweetest nectar? I give this guy, I give, who wants a verse? I'll give you a verse. You say, well, I'm going through some difficult times. Deuteronomy 32, 13. It says, he caused him to siphon honey from the rock. Honey in the Bible is a type of the strongest anointing. It, bright, it brightens the eyes and strengthens the body. He caused him to siphon honey from the rock. Some of the hardest situations will pour out the sweetest nectar if you'll put out a little effort. You know what siphoning, don't you? When I grew up, I could siphon. You'd be driving 40 miles an hour down the road nearly. You know, gas was 16 cents a gallon, and I still was siphoning. You know, you, know, you have to suck it out of somebody else's tank and put it in yours. Oh, man, that's, I think that's called thieving, but uh, anyway. We'd have a family reunion, and, you know, I'd be, they'd be in there eating chicken. I'd be out there siphoning gas, you know. And I could, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always liked fast cars, man. Life. I had that car. It had two four-barrel carburetors, about that big around gas. Oh goodness! I want to pray for your family. Okay, I'm going to pray that you'll have a family reunion by Thanksgiving. There's families, even in the church, fragmented. You watch this. God's going to restore families by Thanksgiving Day. You watch this. Family feuds are going to be ending before Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day, there'll be families setting together that hadn't set together for years. God's going to break down all the barriers, all the squabbles, and neutralize things. I'm telling you, families that hadn't spoken in a long time are going to be knit together. It'll happen, what is this? This is July, and uh, Thanksgiving's November. So you watch God stop the family feud, Okay. You'll get a call from your brother and sister that you hadn't heard from in years. Wow. You know what they want to know? They want to know how to have peace. And that's where you come in. And I'll give you a verse about it. Isaiah 50, verse 4. I will give you the tongue of a taught one. And you will know how to speak a word of encouragement to those that are asking how to navigate dark days. Isaiah 50, verse 4. I'll give you the tongue of a taught one. Don't you want it? Why, sure. Okay. Let's get out of here. I'm going to the book table. You, did you see my shoes? Yeah. That's them y'all bought me, yeah? They're called road warriors. Yeah. See, most time I wear boots, but I, I thought, I'm wearing these shoes up here. Look at them. Look at them. Then he told me there's something else. What is it? Custom insoles. Custom insoles. Yeah. Yeah. That's tomorrow. 
tomorrow, tomorrow. See, these feel really good. Yeah. Wait till I get the insoles. Oh, I'll get me some insoles. Oh, man. You know, I stand on my feet for hours, you know, but I'm going to love insoles. Yeah. I got some that smells like a. Some of my shoes. Like that rotten catfish. Worse than that, you know. Anyway, my wife has been trying to. She takes some of my best clothes and hides them. You know, I bought. All we've been married fifty-five years. I bought one piece of furniture in my whole life by myself. It was a a burnt orange recliner. And I thought it was leather and it's pleather. That thing was big as a car. And, but you could throw it back and sleep just like that. You know, I slept through more ball games than you could imagine. And finally got so broke down, I'd go off on a meeting and they would haul it out to the, the yard for the garbage to get. You know, I'd get back just in time to get my recliner back in. But it had got broke down. You know, it was kind of custom fitted. You could, you throw it up and, you know, there's a hip over here and a, a ham over there. It, it, it was set coggle-eyed like this. But finally, finally, they, uh, just to be honest, they burnt down my recliner. You know, there's some things you can't hardly get over. Burnt, you know. It was ugly. I, I mean, it, it didn't match a thing we had, you know. Can you see it? It looked like a pumpkin, you know. And Carolyn decorates the house right, and there was my recliner. It just stood out like a sore thumb infected. It was awful. But anyway, we're learning to tolerate one another. After, yeah. I tell you, one of the dumbest things I ever did, and I didn't do it maliciously, but I stupidly. We got married, and she had bought her own self some perfume in little bitty bottles. I mean, listen. A, a lot of money for a little bitty and so she bought it her, her own before we got married and so uh, I, we had one little medicine cabinet about the size of a shoebox you don't need and perfume would just fall out I couldn't even find no room for nothing I had so she's gone and I thought to myself now this is true I thought to myself I'm going to consolidate so I got me one bottle of, and poured all her others in one bottle Honestly, she came in and she cried. She just broke down and cried. I was, I was absolutely shocked. I mean, really, really shocked, I thought. Because I, I was just trying to consolidate. And, oh, man. So I thought, oh, don't worry. I told her, I said, don't worry, honey. I'll go buy you some more. See, I'd never bought perfume in my life. I'd buy Old Spice and bathe in it, you know. That's a cheap, cheap cologne or whatever. So I go to a little nickel and dime store and I carried one of her bottles. It's about that big and a little square, about like that. So I go up there to this store and I said, ma'am, I need to buy some of this. And she goes, oh, you can't buy this here. You have to go to a specialty store. I said, where is that at? And she said, there's one in Tyler. So I leave Athens and I go to Tyler and I go to this specialty store. And uh, I get in there and I said, ma'am, I need to get one of these, and then I had a list of the others. And she said, oh, good. She said, you understand they're quite expensive? I said, well, what are we talking about? Listen, my car payment wasn't as much as that. 
bottle of perfume. I said, what? And she said, yes. I said, I, I, I'm not doing that. And so uh, I went back to the other store and I bought her a bottle of blue stuff about this high for $3. It was awful. It was blue walls. Yeah. It's stinking as stuff, I'm telling you. You could have used it for mosquito repellent. <laughs> Listen, boy, how did we like to never got that settled, you know, about her perfume. But, uh, so don't pour nothing out, okay? <laughs> don't buy your own furniture. You understand that? I do a lot of marriage counseling. Here, I've got it boiled down to two things. I do and yes, dear. You missed that, Dr. Field couldn't even help you. You know what I mean? I do and yes, dear. Say it. I do and yes, dear. Yeah, you have to make it sound like, yes, dear. You know? Uh-huh. Oh, man. People ask Carolyn, what's it like being married to Bobby? Ooh. Yeah. It ain't normal. You know? You know? She is something else. Honest to God, I'm telling you the frank out truth. She's the best Christian I've ever met anywhere in the world. I've been with her in the all kind of circumstances. She's the most genuine, authentic Christian I've ever met. I've been with her with royalty. I've been with her with street, street addicts, and she is absolutely the same. Not one bit of pretense at all. She's the realest person I've ever seen. She said to me, Bobby, I'll follow you anywhere in the world. I'll do anything God asks you to do. You ever get weird and start faking it, I'll be the first person to expose you. And she means that. Now, that's the kind of covering we need. Don't you think? Yeah, and she means it. Boy, she's an absolute stickler for truth. And I did wear this shirt. She's watching by live stream now. The kids ratted me out. You know, get showed her how to do live streaming. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, man. Okay. She's wonderful, though. See? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? We better, we better hush. We've got to be back in the morning. What time is the morning service? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Wonder what we ought to talk about tomorrow. We ought to come up with, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what we'll talk about. You want to? What to do when you don't know what to do. I'll show you in the Bible what to do when you don't have a clue. And you might be dumb enough to go, well, brother, that never that's not apropos for me because I always know what I want to do. Well, let me talk to you just a moment. You're an idiot. <laughs> I promise you, I'll show you in the Bible tomorrow that God himself will orchestrate things to get you to the point to where you don't know what to do. So we'll talk about tomorrow what to do when you don't know what to do. Then what to do when you don't feel like doing nothing. Leave me that alone. Remember that? So it'll be fun. Well, at least I already got my stuff. I'm off at the book table. I'm going to put this mic up. I'll have it at the Let's give a hand for Bobby. Was that awesome? Good.